Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Thank you for joining the conversation on Colloquium. This episode is brought to you by Excelsior Capital, an investment platform focused on democratizing private equity by providing individuals access to direct opportunities. To learn more about the firm, please visit excelsiorgp.com and connect with Brian on LinkedIn. Hello and welcome to the conversation on Colloquium. Today I have with me Jack Roberts. This is a little bit of a different one. My family is actually an investor in this company. So I haven't done this before, but it's very exciting. And we can get into the background and the genesis of the company itself. But Jack is the CEO of OmniSolve. He's a visionary and skillful executive who has directed as many as 1,500 employees globally in companies with revenues over $250 million. He's built startups from the ground floor to profitable businesses. He's led companies through startup, survival, turnaround, and growth modes, employing his strengths in M&A, business development, and operational excellence. Jack, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks, Brian. I appreciate the opportunity to be on here. Absolutely. So before we get into the, the current company and what you all are doing, you've got a, a different background than many CEOs. Could you maybe give a little bit of your story and, and what led you to be working with OmniSolve today? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm actually out of the United States Navy as a nuclear engineer. After getting out of the service, I became an industrial or manufacturing engineer and through that process, ultimately went on to UCLA to get my MBA. Over the last 18 years or 19 years, I was an operating partner in the private equity world, specializing in distress turnarounds and corporate carve-outs. So through that, I uh, learned a very strong base foundationally of what infrastructure has to be put in place to successfully run a business, grow a business, and ensure it's profitable for years to come. And, and as background, our family office had invested in a venture capital firm here in Nashville for a very long time. And this company has gone through many different iterations 
but could you maybe provide some context in terms of what the genesis of the company was from an intellectual property standpoint and what microfluidics are. Yeah, and absolutely. then we can kind of take it from there. I think it's important to understand kind of the, the starting point and, and what brought us to where we are today, which is you know, Q2 of 2022. Yeah, right. Exactly. So this technology was, was found as a result of an R&D project through two individuals that were formerly part of the group specifically through a university de Seville out of Spain. Atomization technology is, is really used to control droplets. Uh, you see it in everything from jet engines to the grocery store when you buy produce. And so we don't realize it, but it's a big part of our life every single day. And ultimately, you know, it provides safe and effective control of droplets. And we use the technology, you know, specific to environmental and things that benefit, you know, health. And so as, again, as a little bit more color on the background, this was initially pitched to us, gosh, over 10 years ago, yeah, probably 15 years ago, as this really innovative intellectual property catalog that these really smart people in Spain had created, but they didn't know how to monetize it. And it was initially brought to us as an evaporative cooling solution, right? which never really worked. Well, it just, it never caught on and the consumer side of things got really complicated, et cetera. Could you maybe go into a little bit of the background of that use versus when we brought you on board, what that first looked like from just this intellectual property catalog and what the state of affairs were? Yeah. So unfortunately, the execution just just struggled as it related to you know delivering those products. And I think uh, the decision to go straight to consumer is a very difficult one. And, and as we all know, extremely capital intensive to do that. And while the company was focused on monetizing its its IP through that process, I think it got off of, of trail and, and tried to produce products through OEMs and unfortunately didn't have the expertise in, in understanding the appropriate quality control that we need to put in place. And as such, you know, they were successful in selling units, but had a very high recall of those units for a number of different defects. And as you could imagine, you know, it's difficult to overcome. And then never mind, as, as we, we spoke, consu- you know, going direct to consumer is extremely expensive. Where what we're dealing with here are, are, you know, global problems, you know, from pandemics to food security. And, you know, we believe the, the impact that we're having ultimately, you know, drives significant change in, in behavior within markets that, that people haven't been able to solve. So from the family perspective, this portfolio company within this broader batch of mostly venture capital type investments, this was the one that was always the most intriguing to us. And we harvested the majority of that portfolio. That's right. Either through sales or we did a secondary platform type buyout process. But this was one that we have doubled down on, frankly, (laughs) as a family. And we did a process where we interviewed a number of folks, you were one of them to come in and right-size this deal. What did that look like day one for you? It was a steep learning curve for certain. The company, you know, over the previous, let's say, six years, you know, had dabbled into a few other opportunities, somewhat with what I would say a myopic approach. And so trying to understand the development that was there, uh, really trying to envision what the win-win-win scenario was. And and oftentimes that third aspect was missed. And so there were three different products that were in some stage of R&D from aerosol products, specific to hairspray, trying to eliminate the harmful accelerators that are in that, 
to a device that, that can print in any direction, you know, specific to standard work or drawings that you would see in a fuselage of an airplane, as an example. And then last but not least, a seed treat atomizer, you know, with the intent to, you know, improve the coating of seeds. And, you know, that's where I learned, you know, through that process of diligence and understanding our ability to commercialize those products. Ag has a significant need for our product, but we necessarily didn't understand, you know, how we should go about that and the impact that, you know, we should be involved with. And, and you know, elimination of drift is, is a big key. So it seemed to me that it was suffering from an effort to try to boil the ocean, to use a Wall Street term, right? It was many different things, many different people, and it really lacked focus under the prior executive leadership. And so you came in, you assessed the IP, utilized your background to understand, okay, this is kind of where we should be focusing as an initial step and underwent a rebranding. Could we maybe back up and, and talk a little bit about the intellectual property itself? I mean, what does that universe look like? Number of patents and the credibility associated with the research that led to these innovative uses? Yeah. So in, in total, we have over 100 patents and, and that's growing. I mean, we just applied for three new patents here, even already this, this year. And so the technology, is, as I spoke about, came from the University of De Seville, specifically Dr. Alfonso Cano, who is renowned as an expert when it comes to microfluidics and atomization. Through that uh, process, you know, they have continued to optimize and we have the global rights uh, to those patents through University de Seville. Beyond that, formerly Ziogen, you know, part of the rebrand, you know, which is not only a name that's difficult to spell, even more difficult to pronounce and certainly doesn't tell you what we're about, will continue to develop new patents as we find, you know, the right end applications, you know, much like we've talked about in regards to the ag space or as we get into, you know, some coding products. Yeah. I mean, I can't remember how many different iterative names there were on this company for the last 15 plus years, but there were a number of them. Zygen was one. I was never a huge fan of that. Okay. So we've kind of dealt with the early chapters, some of the struggles. Let's talk about how you have determined to commercialize this and what you're targeting in terms of market fit, productization, monetization. Yeah. So, you know, we wanted to make sure we were focusing on those things that that other people also cared about, right? And ensuring that, you know, we are solving problems that have the ability to impact everyone's life positively. And one of the major foundations that I inherited as part of taking this, this company over is our network of who we partner with and specifically, you know, top researchers with leading universities. And, you know, through the discussions with those researchers, you know, quickly learned how we could apply our technology to, you know, everyday problems. And, you know, through that understanding, you know, we ask ourselves a a number of different questions is, you know, who cares about the problem? Why hasn't that problem been, been solved before? Why is it that OmniSolve is the right company to solve that problem? And then overall, is it a market size, an available market of something that you know we should put interest and time into? And so as we evaluate these different opportunities that come through, we want to ensure ourselves that you know, we're giving ourselves the greatest probability for success. So let's get into it. I mean, I think you identified three target markets uses here. What are they and where are you in, in that development stage? Yeah, yeah excellent question. So 
Uh, OmniSolve, our parent company, which is you know ultimately focused on licensing agreements or arrangements through endless applications from pharma to you know you name it, even even within the grocery store and produce. So that division or, or the parent company is solely focused on licensing agreements. You know through that as an example again within the pharma space. Beyond that, you know, we have other hold codes such as OmniShield. OmniShield is focused on antimicrobial coatings, which we can get into the details here in that just a second. The second group is uh, OmniTarget, which is focused on the agricultural space, specifically minimizing drift or improving on-target spring. And then last but not least, we have OmniHydrate, which is focused on the preservation of water. And we are focused currently within the gas and oil uh, fracking industry. So yeah, it's exciting. All of those things certainly have you know global impacts. So OmniShield, let, let's start there. You know, obviously we are enduring this pandemic. Omicron variant is starting to die out, but you know, still wreaking havoc in the world. Pretty logical place to start. <laughs> What's the process look like there from just a regulatory standpoint, and how does it actually work? Great question. So. OmniShield is an antimicrobial coating, which is 99.9% effective in killing a, a number of targeted pathogens, you know, specifically MRSA, as an example, COVID-19, or, or truly the uh, SARS-CoV-2, to a number of different fungi. Ultimately, it was developed through University of Virginia Tech, specifically by uh, Dr. William Ducker and a team of his colleagues from Dr. Falkingham you know, all the way through Dr. Poon, who is recognized as the leading expert when it comes to testing coronavirus um, to the World Health, World Health Organization. But overall, it's a coating that is applied to any surface. Well, the great thing about this coating is it's transparent. So it can be used on you know anything from a tablet to a desk to a doorknob and, and everything in between, ultimately focusing on high surface touch points. And the Formulation has an active ingredient known as, as copper, and copper is, has been proven to be most effective against SARS-CoV-2. Ultimately, you know, it was designed to kill that and, and again, is 99.9% effective. Through the testing and support with Dr. Folkingham, you know, we learned that it's, it's effective against a great number of things as MRSA, just as I spoke about. And so, you know, we feel this global pandemic is, is not behind us. You know, we continue to see variants pop up. You know, certainly the population is, is becoming more vaccinated. But, you know, thinking outside of just the United States, you know, this has, has the ability to impact every market. And as it relates to government regulatory here in the States, EPA is required to provide approval specifically because we have uh, copper in that. And, and again, you know, you carry copper. We all carry copper every day in the form of pennies within our pockets as, as we get changed. But we want to be able to make the claim 99.9% effective against coronavirus. And as a result of that, we have to go through substantial testing at EPA. As it is all new to us, even though we say it's been around for two years and, and growing, you know, there's a lot of science that's still being put behind it. And specifically, the EPA is working on testing procedures to be able to make those claims. And so we expect this process to be about 12 to 18 months to receive EPA approval to make those substantial claims. If we weren't concerned with making the coronavirus claim, we could have EPA approval within 30 to 45 days as there's like product from a standpoint of the active ingredient, which would allow us to, to shorten that timeline. So when you say effective against coronavirus, are we talking about some kind of prophylactic coding that will prevent the spread of this disease and others? I mean, how does it actually work? 
how would how would you apply it? How would you use it in a commercial setting? Yeah, so it would be sprayed on to you know any surface again because it's clear it can be applied to to anything. And the great thing about it is not only does it kill anything that's targeted that's already on that surface, but more importantly, it's continuously effective up to six months. So one application doesn't last minutes, you know, it lasts months. And, and that's the major differentiator from anything on the market today. Okay. And moving on to the agricultural applications here, you mentioned drift. Did you define that term for us? Yeah, many of us are probably familiar with it as it relates to dicamba. Uh, we've seen the billions of lawsuits as it relates to, to that, but specifically it's off-target spraying. So when a farmer is spraying his crops, specifically a herbicide or a pesticide or a fungicide, when they spray that, uh, because the droplet size are, are not optimized to that specific um, spray for whatever that may be, depending on its crop, you get drift. And that drift has substantial consequences as it can be sprayed onto neighboring farms or, or even neighboring neighborhoods. And then it, it has potential impact on the ability for that crop to, to be, you know, to its full potential of effectiveness or yields. And so our ability to control the droplet size is the key. And, and because we can get so finite from a spectrum of micron, it allows us to greatly reduce the drift or improve the on-target spray. So, you know, it's one of the major costs and risks that farmers have to deal with, you know, as part of crops. This is a loaded question because I, I already know kind of the answer, but how hard is it to deal with big ag just in, in terms of process, you know, getting in the door per se and, and what that looks like working with these huge multinational corporations or at least trying to work with them. It's complicated. That That's for sure. You know, certainly as you look about protecting your IP and, and making sure that you have the right alliance and who owns what rights through the improvements and the collaboration, you know, it's a very important piece for us to make sure that we're secure from that standpoint. Fortunately for us, as, as I spoke about earlier, collaboration is, is one of the major milestones. And you know, we have partnered with Dr. Butts, who is a leading expert when it comes to wheat science. And so where we don't necessarily have all the expertise from an OmniSolve standpoint, you know, we make sure we bring on those experts to work with us in conjunction as we're developing these products. And so Dr. Butts has the network and we have the ability to do on-farm testing and, and you know, bringing the awareness and, and making sure we can knock down barriers that you know, are otherwise there. And then the third and final is the fracking industry or applications for water purification maybe would be the, the way to put it. Could you unpack that a little bit for us? Yeah. So Omnihydrate, which is focused on preservation of water, you know, specifically within the oil and gas fracking industry, for every one barrel of product produce generates three barrels of water. And most people call it product or production water. And that's dealt with in a number of different ways today. But as you could imagine, it's a, it's a heavy expense for these groups to be able to, to deal with that. It's typically put into some type of pond there locally. And then just through natural evaporation, you know, that continues to work its way down. In some cases, you know, they may add a um, water feature to that to increase or, or improve the um, evaporation of that water. But our technology, we're able to atomize and separate dissolved and non-dissolved solids, ultimately providing a, a potential of number of uses for that production water, including reuse for you know, the drilling and mining of oil and gas. So it's a, a very novel concept. There is a significant amount of support behind it. We have done early testing in Florida 
And, you know, we're in process of actually launching another test site down in New Mexico. So it's a significant problem. I mean, we certainly feel we're, we're poised in a great position to help solve that. Which one out of the three are you most bullish on as of today? OmniShield, for sure. You know, certainly a, that, that coding has so many use cases for it, right? I mean, everything from passengers and, and air travel to trains to schools, protecting our youth from for education to um, hospitals to elderly health care and, and living situations. So, you know, there isn't a single use case where you, you can't make an argument that you know, OmniShield is there to protect everybody from employees to customers, to visitors, to events. It, it has a significant amount of potential. So, you know, obviously I did the preface that we're an investor with you. I don't want this to just be a commercial. I mean, you're raising capital, but this is evergreen content. This is a podcast that's going to live forever. So we'll do the content information on the back end, and hopefully some folks are interested. But I kind of want to humanize you a little bit here. (laughs) I don't remember how we got connected initially, but when you heard about the company and the family and the opportunity, what attracted you to it? a great question. You know, having seen so many different technology-based companies, and you know, that was really my strong suit was engineered products and you know, understanding atomization, understanding microfluidics, you know, getting a, a quick glimpse at, at what the potential was intrigued me for many different reasons. You know, as we've spoken about already here today, you know, the ability to impact so many different markets. But beyond that was, you know, seeing a company that had significant potential and needed the infrastructure behind it to make sure that it could be successful. And, you know, that is certainly my strong suit is taking a look at at, at businesses just like this and saying, what is it that it needs to be successful? Why is it missing? And, you know, is it possible to put that infrastructure in place? And that's what excited me here is all of those things, you know, ring true. And you weren't put off when you actually met the whole family, which is probably the more (laughs) impressive part of it. I mean, I remember we all had dinner outside because, you know, it was COVID and everything. And there was a lot of us, you know, and we put a significant amount of resources to work in the company and you brought your wife and we did the whole meet and greet thing. And you still agreed to come on board. So you get points for that. I'm sure it was a, a different experience. So it, I, I enjoyed it very much. You know, everybody's extremely relatable. I was quite impressed how everybody was involved within their community and took a stronghold with, you know, the beliefs they had behind them and, and making an impact. And so, you know, those things encouraged me greatly. Biggest surprise once you took the helm and opened up the books on the company? Boy, just... The missteps from prior, let's call it, uh, potential of commercializing product. I think there were so many things that, that said, you know, this was a line to take off. But, you know, unfortunately, because that infrastructure wasn't there and, you know, it just amazes me the, the number of failed attempts that came through. And, and that's why I'm most excited today is, you know, we know we have that infrastructure. We know we have the discipline behind us. And we know we're addressing markets that, that matter to everybody, not just me, not just you, but, but you know, to, to everyone. So without being, you know, pie in the sky, you clearly think the company has legs. I mean, that's kind of how this is structured with you. Right. If as an investor myself and just somebody that is hopefully people engage with you and then they start paying attention, what's a signpost in the next 12 months that tells you green light go? Is there a catalyst event or a hinge that really makes this thing exciting for you? 
Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's all about OmniShield. And so we're in the process of uh, getting government regulatory approval through Coltec Price down in Mexico. And we expect to have that approval here in the coming weeks. And so we have an excellent business plan that we're, you know, launching and executing as part of that process. But through that, you know, we're going to bring significant awareness to our product, you know, nationally and, and globally for that matter. And so we fully expect to, to see revenue from OmniShield end of Q1, early Q2. And we have, you know, all the right partners in place to, to make that happen. So, you know, here within weeks, we should see a significant stride forward that this company has been looking for years. All right. Well, I do have a few more questions if you'll bear okay. with me here. Yeah, Absolutely. What's the number one thing that people should know about nuclear submarines that, that the average civilian doesn't know? Living conditions. You, you could imagine that it's small, but you know, depending on the submarine you're on, you know, there's individuals that are potentially sleeping underneath missiles. So <laughs> it's a quite interesting experience, but team building, you really become a family. You have to trust one another. You have to count on you know, the person doing the job that they need to do, and they do the same with you. So you know, it was a wonderful experience, and, and I would do it again. Longest time that you spent submerged? Wasn't wasn't long. I was doing sea trials. So, you know, fortunately I, I wasn't out at sea for, for months on end. You know, I was fortunate from from that aspect. Very good. Well, you know, Jack, I want to thank you for joining us. If people are interested in learning more about OmniShield or just the, the company or, or you and the work that you all are doing, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Directly through through my email or or call me on my cell phone. I'm always available. So you, you can reach me at Jack at omnisolveco.com. Or you can call me on my mobile device at 949-295-0611. Awesome. Well, Jack, obviously, I'm pretty invested. So I hope you guys do great. And you know, I think the company from an intellectual property standpoint is one of the more interesting things that I've seen. And it really is going to be execution. Not that you need more pressure on yourself, but you've come a long way. I mean, from where we were a year ago to today is pretty incredible. And I wish you the best of luck moving forward. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate your time and I certainly appreciate your support. So be safe and I'm certainly we'll talk soon. All right. Thanks, Jack. Thank you. Thank you for joining the conversation on Colloquium. If you enjoyed what you heard in this episode, please like, rate, or leave us a review and stay tuned for our next episode coming soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.